Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this series. We thank you for what you're teaching us, what we're learning, Lord God, what we can apply in our lives. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us today. You would speak to us through this message. You would take us deeper in how we can better build. You would bring revelation to our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that you would fill my heart, mind, and mouth with your words for your people that you would touch them and bless them, that you would shepherd their hearts, that you would bring light into areas that need light and that you would take what I'm sharing and you would add to it, Holy Spirit. You would add more, give them more fodder, show them, apply, help them apply the word um, where it is applicable in their lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to have you join us online, if you're watching online, which you, uh, which you are. Today we're continuing in the series entitled Building God's Way. And this is the third message in the series, Building God's Way. And um, yeah, we're going to have another message after this, but I'll share a bit more about that just now. In the current series that we've been doing, we have been looking generally at building God's way. And today I want to make it a bit more personal and look at how we should build our personal lives God's way and look at how Jesus indicated we are to build our lives. And um, in the message today, what we're going to discover is that Jesus was actually really specific about how we are to build our lives and he clearly specified the most important foundation and principle for us to build with and that is with love with love the foundation upon which we to build our lives if we are to build God's way and to live in his will is love love never fails right and so we're going to look at that a bit today and we're going to continue with that at a later point but Jesus if we look at what Jesus was communicating Jesus communicated he links two commandments one from Deuteronomy 6 and one from Leviticus 19 by a common key word which is love and um, let's just have a quick look at those scriptures. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And we see in Mark 12 verse 28 to 33 that Jesus actually links these two commandments in the Old Testament. And he declares that these are the greatest commandments that we are to live by. Mark 12 verse 28 to 33, one of the scribes came to Jesus and having heard them reasoning together, perceive, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him and said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second 
like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth for there is one God and there is no other but he and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And so it's important for us um, as we're looking at building our lives God's way that we look at exactly how God would have us build personally. And it's interesting to me that Jesus raised these two commandments as the greatest. And if you look at what the scribes, the, the world of the scribes and the commandments at the time, there were 248 affirmative precepts that the scribes had and um, 365 negative precepts. So there were a total of 613 of these particular commandments and some thought um, they had various ideas about which ones were the greatest. Some thought that the, the commandments about the fringes on the garments were the greatest. Some thought that the omission of certain washings um, was as bad as homicide. So they had different levels of measuring these particular com uh, uh, commandments. And this was the world that the scribe came to ask Jesus this particular question in. It was the world of some, you know, are saying this is great. Some are saying that is great. What do you say is the greatest commandment? And I love how Jesus answered him. He answered him not stating particularly which uh, commandment was greatest per se, but rather giving him the basis upon which a commandment was to be regarded as greatest. And that, so the two commandments that he gives, uh, both are commandments concerning love, love, loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor. And it seems like Jesus was saying something like, here is all scripture in a nutshell, um, the whole range of human duty in a, in a portable pocket form. The whole law is this. It's gathered up in one word, and that's love. So the foundation upon which we build our lives, if we are to live in God's will, is to build on love and to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourself. And these are the two uh, commandments that we're going to ex be exploring in terms of building God's way. And today I'm going to be exploring the first portion of that, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So I'm wanting to unpack these four particular um ways or channels of loving the Lord. Um, and I'm going to unpack them individually, but in Hebrew culture, the distinction between all of these wasn't as clear. The distinction between a heart and a soul and a mind, not very, not so distinct, but for the purpose of this message, we're going to try to distinguish a little bit to help us to apply this to our personal lives. And so we can think of the heart as, um, 
in, indicating that portion of our lives that, um, that, that our emotions constitute. We can think of the soul being that portion of our lives that our will and our general individuality constitute. The mind um, we can think of as that portion which our intellect and our thinking constitutes and our strength for the activities and the energies of our service, the things that we're doing. Our strength is linked to what we do and our deeds and so we'll explore that a bit um, today so yes loving the Lord with everything you are and everything you do with everything I am and everything I do that is a foundation for me to build my life upon loving the Lord your God love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul with all your strength sounds noble it sounds great but how do I do that on a day-to-day -day basis, what does it look like if I was to capture it on a video camera? What does it look like in my personal life? What does it look like in the church? Um, how can we measure it? How do we know that we're doing it or if we are doing it? And um, how, do, how do I love God? How do I, a mortal being, love the eternal God? Is it a feeling? Is it a commitment? Is it a disposition? Is it a, a feeling I get when I sing a certain song? Is it, is it a song that I sing when I'm feeling a certain emotion? You know, many of our current worship songs have a sort of a general theme that is running through them. I'm talking about more modern worship songs, sort of like Jesus is my boyfriend kind of feel about them. Like he's someone that I'm involved with kind of feeling and songs that express emotions like that. Now, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with it per se, but I'm just saying that it is a bit concerning. It's concerning because it's not biblical um, completely. So, and I'm going to just explore this a little bit. Jesus is not the same as me. He's not, uh, he's not my boyfriend. He's God. He is um, high and lifted up. He is holy. He is to be worshipped. And there's, there's a subtle difference. Um, it's not uncommon in the charismatic church today to have believers caught up in some hype, um, hyped up emotional experience. Um, yes, sometimes with the presence of God, sometimes it may not be with the presence of God, can be caught up in a feeling or uh, a, a caught up in declaring and singing their love for God so passionately. And yet when we look at their lives, we see that they do that every Sunday or most Sundays and they leave unchanged and quite frankly still as disobedient to God's word as ever. Um, so is that what loving the Lord is, enjoying his presence, passionately singing and prostrating myself before him on one day of a week, getting goosebumps, getting slain in the spirit? Is it a feeling? Is it about feeling led to give great sacrifice to someone or some church for him? Is that what it is? Is that loving the Lord? Is it doing something, giving all my riches to the port and becoming some monk or someone who spends all their time in meditation or solitude or pray or is it giving my life to evangelize in a place where no one else wants to go you know there's nothing wrong with these things per se but we need to look a bit deeper and some of these God 
some of these things, God will actually call people into that and their worship, act of worship and their act of love will be in obedience to what God is calling them to. But it's not a one size fits all. We need to find out what God's word says concerning loving him. So I want us to look at exactly how Jesus explains it because this is really important. In John 14 verse 15, in the Amplified, Jesus says this about loving him. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. If you really love me, you will keep, obey my commands. John 14 verse 21, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. So it's not the person who goes to church every Sunday and hears his commands every Sunday and doesn't do anything about it and doesn't repent and doesn't change. No, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Who is this person? This is the person who has his commands and keeps him, keeps them. This is the person who truly loves the Lord Jesus. John 14 verse 23 to 24, Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word. He will obey my teaching and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home, our abode, our dwelling place with him. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching and the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine but comes from the father who sent me. So how can we as charismatic Christians come to church Sunday in, Sunday out, profess that we love the Lord, but we will not live and order our lives every single day in accordance with his word? No, it's not possible. We do not love the Lord because Jesus says if we love him, we will obey his precepts. We will obey his commands. That is how we show that we love him. That is his love language, so to speak. So this is very clear. The foundation upon which we build our lives must be the word of God and walking in obedience to the word of God and walking in obedience to the word of God is such a great foundation. But this expresses my love for the Lord. That is how I communicate to him that I love him. And that is the fruit of a life that truly loves the Lord. I love what Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 says. It says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. And I want to encourage you to go dig in the word. Find out what the word says about the situations you find yourself in. Explore what the principles are in the word concerning your situation and apply them. Those are the foundations that we are to build upon in my life, in your life. When we build upon this foundation, it's, very, it's a sure foundation. Our house, houses and inverted commas that we building our lives will not be 
blown down by every storm of life. And the reality is that when I build upon the word and you build upon the word, yes, there's some things that will look the same, but because the grace and the callings upon our lives are different, it can look slightly different. However, the principles remain the same and we are all to apply these principles to our lives and live in obedience um, to these particular principles. And I just want to touch on a few um, examples that are quite common in our, especially our charismatic churches today. Um, what about the charismatic who feels incredible love or incredibly in love with the Lord, but continues to live in willful sin? Is that love according to the Bible? Quite honestly, no. I don't care how strongly you feel and passionately you feel your emotion of love. According to the Bible, that is not love for the Lord. Um, how can you say you love the Lord on a Sunday morning in worship and really mean it from the bottom of your heart when you know you're living in willful sin? When you know you're living with your boyfriend, you're living with your girlfriend, you're continuing to lie or cheat or steal. No, you don't love the Lord. You are passionately and emotionally devoted to your idea of God and the emotional um, feeling that you get from that. But according to the Bible and the God of the Bible and the Jesus of the Bible, that is not love. You cannot continue to live in willful disobedience to the, word, to the revealed word of God in the Bible and profess that you love the Lord. It's not possible. The two are mutually incompatible. You know, in the charismatic church, we, we can become very unclear and hazy in our thinking about what the Lord expects of us. Um, and, and many believers in our charismatic churches have a problem with felt lead poisoning. Um, I felt led to do this. I didn't feel led to do that. I only pray when I feel led. I only do X or Y or Z when I feel led. I only give when I feel led. I only join this when I feel led. But in God's word, it's clear as anything that we are to do that. And so I want to say to you, if you have a problem with felt lead poisoning, that God's, if God's word is clear that you are meant to do something, make sure you feel led very regularly or else, quite honestly, you're living in direct disobedience, however you feel about it. You know, um, our emotions are inaccurate indicators of reality. And the truth is that no prophetic person is 100% and accurate with everything that they feel. Not everything that you feel is from God. Not everything that you feel, some of it may be from the enemy, some of it be from, may be from your own imagination. And so it's important that we build our decisions and we build our lives on the revealed word of God, on his clear principles, on his standards and on his will. And we don't suffer from felt lead poisoning. You know, the measure of our love for God is our day-to-day -day obedience in everyday situations to the principles and teachings as revealed in the Bible, His Word. That is God's foundation for us to build our lives upon. That is showing Him that we truly do love Him, you know. 
Too often I've seen in the charismatic church today, we have believers seeking the Lord for prophetic words and direction around situations where the Bible already has clear principles and direction. There's no point seeking prophetic input when the Bible is already clear about what you should do. The, the word of God in the Bible is God's revealed will. You don't need a prophetic word to step out and do this or that or not do that. He's already, if he's already laid the principle in the Bible, that is his heart. He doesn't need to tell you again, get into the word, explore what it says, find out what it says, and don't go rushing here and rushing there to every prophetic person trying to get a prophetic word to get direction. Get into the word, find out God's principles, find out God's heart and pursue that. And let me tell you, God is well able to direct you when you are living in accordance with his word, when you're building your lives upon his word. I want to speak to you singles today, or maybe you're in a relationship, but you're not yet married. And you say to me, but, and no, he's not a believer or she's not a believer, but I'm seeking God about whether, you know, this is the one or not that I can marry. I've seen it work in other people's lives. It can work. You know, this whole thing of uh, evangelistic dating, it can work. Now, I want to speak to you. The Lord has already revealed his will in his word concerning your situation. And the answer is no. The answer is no. That is not a prophetic word that is a word straight from the bible the answer is no in case you weren't aware go and look it up look it up find out about it and let me tell you something else if you go ahead anyway because somehow you felt led there will inevitably be consequences because you did not build your life on god's word there will be consequences and yes pastors will be there to help you through that and yes you know god will be there to help you get through it but you know what it's probably not god's best for you and they probably got, there can be catastrophic consequences. There can be consequences for your future children, for the generations yet to come. There can be consequences later on for you in your marriage. So just build your life on the word of God. Amen. And please understand, my primary ministry is in the prophetic. So I am not slamming the prophetic in any way, in any means. I love the prophetic. I love hearing God speak. I am just cautioning us as the church around its use and its abuse and its misuse. And as the charismatic church, we really need to be careful how we build our lives and that we build them upon the word of God, which is revealed in the Bible, which is the only infallible word. It's the only infallible word. There's no prophetic word that you receive that is infallible. No, the Bible is clear. The only infallible word is the word of God as revealed in the body. And let me just mention one other thing concerning the prophetic, because I think this is important. In the body of Christ in general, I believe we are immature in handling the prophetic. We get prophetic words, we get revelations, and lots of them easily. And it's not difficult to do that. But we don't know fully how to handle it. We don't fully know how to interpret it, how to, how to apply it, how to discern what the source of the prophetic is, how to know whether it's you know from the end 
enemy from my soul, from my own wounding or from God's spirit, whether it's maybe it's from God's spirit, but it's not to declare publicly. Maybe it's for only me. Maybe it's for only for a certain group of people. Maybe it's only for me to pray about. Maybe God is revealing a secrets to me because there's a purpose that I'll discover as I continue praying into it. Maybe it is something to declare publicly, but I don't declare all of it. Or I just declare the interpretation. Or I just declare the prophetic word because someone else will have a more accurate interpretation. So it's so important that we understand that we need to be careful with the prophetic. There's a plethora of prophetic words out there for this year. Many people get prophetic words. I'm sure they're from God. They just declare them. Maybe they're not for everybody else. Maybe they're only for your cell group. Maybe they're only for your business, for your family. You know, let's be wise about these things and not build our lives on prophetic words. Not build our lives on prophetic words. Prophetic words that bring direction need to be judged. A prophetic word that carries direction to your life or carries direction to a church needs to be judged. That is not the simple gift of prophecy. Simple gift of prophecy is there to edify, exhort, encourage, comfort. And that is not directional. So make sure that you build your life on the word of God and not some prophetic word that you receive that's directional. Amen. Now, um, back to some of the ways I can love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I love Colossians 3 verse 17. It says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the Passion Translation, it says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. So these are measures that we can use in our lives. These are things that we can use as we're building. Every single day, we're building our lives, saying, is this activity um, drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus? Are these words drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus? Is this praiseworthy? Does this bring glory to God? Can I do this in the name of my Lord Jesus? You know, there's some things that some people would not do in the name of the Lord Jesus because they shouldn't be doing them. So it's a good it's a good way of measuring and checking ourselves as we build our lives day to day. And we are building our lives day to day, whether we like it or not, whether we're aware of it or not. And so we need to use the measure of the word in order to do that. And the first avenue or channel that I'm wanting to dig a bit deeper and looking at in terms of us loving the Lord is love the Lord with all your heart. With all our hearts, we're to love the Lord. So let's look at the word and see what it says about loving the Lord with all of our hearts. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In my heart, when I revere Christ as Lord, that means that whatever things I choose to do, which stem from my heart, I must do because Christ is Lord. If Christ is truly Lord, it means that I'm submitted to His will, not my will. So His will trumps my will. So if I'm in a wrong relationship, I'm doing dirty business deals, if I continue doing those things, 
I am not revering Christ as Lord in my heart. He's not Lord. My will is trumping his will. So we look in the word, we find out what it says, and we say, well, Lord Jesus, as Lord of my life, these are the things that I need to be doing and applying in my life. And so this is the will that I'm going to apply in my life. I revere him as Lord in my heart, and it spills out into every other area of my life. I love the scripture in Romans 12 verse 1 in the Amplified. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication. So I have to choose to do it. A decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. How am I to love God, how am I to worship Him? I am to offer and have the heart attitude of offering every part of my body to Him. Every part of my body, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, my thoughts, my heart. What I do needs to be done as to, uh, to Him as, as worship, holy, devoted as a living sacrifice. This must be my heart's desire. This is a foundation upon which I build my life. With this foundation, I'm malleable, I'm humble, I'm broken. When I'm struggling in a certain area of sin, I become desperate, I wanna break free, I seek help. I walk closer to the Lord, I break free because I want to live my whole life as worship unto Him. I don't wanna be tripped up by trespass and sin the whole time. I want to offer all my members and faculties, my feet and where they take me, my hands and what they do, my eyes and what I allow in, my ears and what I allow in, my mouth and what I allow out, my heart and the meditation of my heart must be a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice dedicated to God. Such a powerful and very convicting scripture. I think we could actually stop the message right there and that will be enough homework for all of us for this week. Amen. Psalm 19 verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, those things that consume my heart, may they be acceptable in your sight. Those things that I dream upon, those things that I long for, may they be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And I'm wanting to look at a couple of measures that Jesus came, that Jesus gave us when he came to earth in terms of our hearts and where they're really at. And the first measure or the first check that I'm wanting to give to us is that of our words. The words that proceed from our mouths are often indicators of where our hearts are, are indicators of what our hearts are preoccupied with. They're often indicators of who or what we're idolizing or worshiping, especially when it's not God. Our mouth, our words are indicators of that. Our words are indicators if we've been defiled by offense or bitterness, if we're carrying un un unforgiveness in our heart. These things are often 
um, discovered as we listen to our words. In Matthew 12, verse 34 to 37, Jesus says, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. And I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account on the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you will be condemned. What are you saying? What are you speaking? Are you gossiping? Are you being divisive with your words? And if you are, what is in your heart? What are you carrying in your heart that you shouldn't be carrying? Matthew 15, 18 to 19. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. What are you carrying in your heart often can be determined by what comes out of your mouth. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So I want you to think about the words that you speak, especially to those people you feel most comfortable with, those people you confide in. And if I had to record what you say 24 seven, most especially to these people that I've spoken about, your inner circle. What would the general themes be that come through? What would I discover about the state of your heart? Are you worshiping the Lord with all your heart? Is Christ revered as Lord in your heart? How comfortable would you be to have someone you admire spiritually or even Jesus himself listen in on your self-talk, your conversations with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, your workers, your co-workers, and including those people we don't like, including those people who've maybe wronged us, including those people that we think are incompetent to work with, those people that irritate us. Can you say that you're revering Christ as Lord in your heart? The other measure that Jesus gave us, and I'm sure it's not the only measure, but I just wanted to, to list these two measures in terms of how we can really see the state of our heart. The first one was our words. And the second one is how we utilize our finances. Jesus had so much to say about our finances. And in the church today, people get so offended when we talk about finances. Jesus spoke about finances a whole lot. And um, in Luke 16, verse 13, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. He's basically saying either God will be God or mammon will be God, but the two cannot both be God in our hearts together. Matthew 6, 19 to 21, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If I was to look at your bank um, statement, 
I wonder what that would tell me about where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. If Jesus was looking at your bank statement, would he say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I see where your heart is, you know. Let us make sure that we're faithful, that we're faithful with the finances that God has made us stewards over. And just on this, I want to say that, you know, some people say, no, I only give when I feel led to give because it's the New Testament. That's fantastic. I'm glad. I'm glad that you feel led to give so often. You know, I, I don't, I don't trust myself. I don't think that I would give, you know, more than a tithe if I only gave every month, if I only gave as I felt led, because I don't always feel led to give a tithe. I don't always feel led to give that much, you know. And the reality is that in the law, we were to give a tithe and then, you know, um, other offerings on top of that. And in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled the law and the standard is oh so much higher. So technically speaking, according to the Bible, we should be giving a whole lot more than just 10% of on our gross income, it's gross, 10% on our gross and our and our and a few offerings. We should be giving a whole lot more than that. But I don't trust myself to do that. So guess what? I'm saying, okay, Lord, in order that I do give every month and I don't suffer from felt lead poisoning, I am going to tithe every month to make sure that I that I give. And Malachi 3.10 in the Old Testament, it is in the Old Testament, but he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. So, of course, in the New Testament, he's going to do this. He's going to pour out even more blessing for me. Um, but I need to make sure that I give every, every month. And so I want to encourage you, Go back to the word. Put things in place. You don't have to feel late to give. You know, be strategic about it. Say, I'm going to give this much to the church. This is how much I'm giving to the poor. This is, you know, be very strategic and set it aside every month. And if you have to grow into it, grow into it. But don't suffer from felt lead poisoning with your finances. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus was very clear. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. He who has pity on the poor. I want to encourage you in your pity on the poor, in giving to the poor. Do it strategically. Don't just give a few coins here and there when someone helps you put your stuff in the car or when there's a car guard you're wanting to bless or someone at the robots you feel sorry for. I want to encourage you to be strategic. Don't be led by every whim people around you be strategic and do it on principle um, yeah that's important Proverbs 11 verse 24 to 25 there's one who scatters yet increases more there's one who withholds more than is right leads to poverty the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself God is faithful and he does provide but I want to encourage you with your finances do things on principle um, according to the principles in God's word don't suffer from felt lead poisoning. Amen. So the first thing is our heart, loving the Lord with all our heart. And I touched on a couple of measures of that. The second thing is loving the Lord with all our mind and with all our soul. And I included these two together because it's really difficult to separate the two. Some people say that the mind is part of the soul with the emotions and the will. Um, but I've included mind and soul here. And our mind our mind is where we think. 
our soul, it's our will and our general individuality and some would include our emotions here, you know. Um, so they all, I've put them all together and um, Taya defines the Greek word that Jesus used here for soul to mean the seat of the feelings, the desires, the affections and the aversions. So our mind and our soul, our thinking, our intellect and our feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our emotions. Um, these two, we to love the Lord, your, love the Lord our God with these two things. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 45. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this right here is a form of warfare. It's a form of building strongholds in my life based on the word of God. A stronghold is basically, um, it's built, the bricks of a stronghold are thoughts. And so strongholds are set up when we think thoughts. So we can build up strongholds um, that are there, that are inspired by demonic lies. And we can build up strongholds that are built in our, in our lives and our hearts and our minds by the word of God. And I find it so interesting that it talks here about every pretension and every thought um, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we need to take them captive because how many of you think in words? I don't think in words. I think in thoughts. I think in I just know things. I think in feelings. I think so our feelings sometimes form part of our thoughts. And so it's so important with all of these things that we use the word of God as a measure and we do exactly what is said here. We take captive every thought that is contrary to the word of God. Um, it's really important. Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So what is the saying? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We transform and renew our minds. We don't pray to God. I've heard some people saying, Lord, please renew my mind. A noble prayer, but the Bible says that we actively need to renew our minds by getting into the word and we renew our minds when we take captive every thought that is contrary to the word of God and we replace it with the truth that is found in God's word and out of that we have a new attitude and and um, and new ideals and right here in Romans 12 verse 2 it says that when we in that place we're meditating on the word of God we are renewing our mind it's in 
in that place that we can approve, we can prove for ourselves the acceptable, perfect, the good, acceptable, perfect will of God, and even the thing which is acceptable in His sight and perfect for me. So it's in the place of being in the Word that I will get direction. It is not in some place where I go to some hired holy man from the north and get a prophetic word that is directional. That is not God's primary means for us to get direction. We need to be in the Word. We need to be grounded in the Word. We need to understand what God is saying to us from His Word. We need to renew our minds with the principles of the Word, taking captive every thought that is not from Him. And in this place, the Bible says that we will know the acceptable, good, and perfect will of God, even perfect in His sight for each one of us. So that is, that is really important. And I'm not saying that there, are except, that there aren't exceptions to that. I'm just saying that we need to get this right first before we move on to the exceptions. Amen. 1 Peter 3 verse 15, In your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do this with gentleness and respect. So loving the Lord with all my mind Yes, it involves taking captive every thought, raising itself against the knowledge of Christ. But it also includes being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks me to give a reason for the hope that I have. It also includes being able to give an intelligent answer to someone who's asking you about certain things in the Bible, how the Bible applies to certain things in life. It's important that we are able to do that. And the only way we can do that is by applying our minds. I went to watch a very popular movie uh, uh, this holiday with my boys, Avatar 2. And as I was sitting there listening to it and watching it, I just thought, sure, there was this. This is so contrary to a biblical worldview. There is this. This is so, um, con- it's, it's so contrary to a biblical worldview. And I was trying to explain it to the boys afterwards. And they're like, oh, mom, there you go again, you know. Um, but it's important. That t- movie can be brainwashing a whole lot of people that have no idea why they believe what they believe. Even Christians, you know, they they talked about a whole lot of things that are completely and uh, unbiblical and it's important when we interface with things that we can recognize it and we can explain why it's not biblical. Amen. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is so important in today's day and age. You and I need to study the word for ourselves. We need to be like the Bereans who went, they heard the word, they went and they checked it out. They checked, double checked, is this what it really says? And I want to encourage you to be students of the word for yourself. When you're listening to whomever you're listening to, some famous preacher you're listening to, even if you're listening to your pastor in your local church, if you're listening to my husband, myself, whoever you listen to or watch or read, you need to check what they say and go back to the word. Check, is this what it was really saying? Is What was the context? To whom was it being spoken? How does it apply? How did it apply then? How does it apply today? 
do your word, be diligent to uh, uh, present yourself approved in that manner so you won't be tossed to and fro. And be diligent to pre uh, present yourself approved so that God can use you to speak to others concerning the reason of uh, uh, regarding what you believe and why and what you don't believe and why it's part of worshiping God, worshiping with my mind. It's important that I think. That's why I think a lot of songs that we sing today, need. we need to go back to the old hymns that were so rich in doctrine, so rich in doctrine. If you go back to some of those old hymns, some of the songs we sing today in worship are so shallow. Or they talk about our feelings. They talk about God being there for me. And we need to go deeper. We need to go, we need to have deeper, uh, deeper meat in our worship songs. We need to have worship songs that are about us corporately worshiping God together, not me having my quiet time with the whole, with the whole church all having their personal quiet time and God is ministering to me. That's not worship. That's your personal ministry. Worship is worshiping God. All of us together worshiping God. And so, and so that's important. Colossians 4 verse 6. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity, for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. So it's God's desire that we're able to understand and explain certain challenging concepts, especially in today's day and age, where there are a lot of challenging concepts that are being placed before the church and almost forced on people. And we we need to be able to respectfully and lovingly and truthfully rebut some of these things that are being proposed. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace, tempered with truth and clarity, for then you'll be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. We need to apply our minds and love the Lord our God with all our minds. And studying is one of those ways, but I want to just ask you a few questions regarding thought life because that's also part of loving the Lord our God with all our minds is our thought life. How can we measure our thought life? Um, we looked at how we can measure our heart life. And so this scripture is clear concerning how we can measure our thought life. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, the word of God. I am so grateful for the word of God. It doesn't change. It remains the same. It is absolute. It is true. The word of God is a great measure and discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts and of our minds. And so I want to ask you today, how do your thoughts measure up to the standard of the word of the Lord? As you go about your daily life, you could be asking yourself this question, how are these thoughts measuring up to what God says in his word. And in the New Testament, there are so many instructions about, you know, what we should fix our minds upon, how we should behave. There, there's so many things that we need to dig into and apply in terms of our thoughts and our thinking. Are you quick to root out stinking thinking and lies in your mind? Are you quick to release anger and unforgiveness? Are you quick to stop negative thoughts about people? Is your thinking in line with a biblical worldview? 
Are you able to explain what you believe and why concerning a biblical worldview? And are you studying so that you will be able, so you can improve, that you can be better than what you are today, you can be better than, a, than this tomorrow? That's really important. That's part of loving the Lord with all our minds. And the final avenue I'm wanting to look at is loving the Lord with all my strength. With all my strength. Yes, with all my strength means that I do all these other things that I've mentioned. With all my strength and with 100% of effort. But strength also applies to what I do. Okay? So I've said strength and deed because strength applies to my doing. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. The Passion Translation says, let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. So every activity of my life should be drenched with His beauty. Every activity that I do, I should do with all my heart and strength as worship unto Him. Romans 12 verse 1, again, the scripture that I love. I appeal to you, brethren, in view of the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So this is important. With all my strength, I present all of myself and everything I do with every part of my body and being as worship unto him that is loving him and there's some things that I cannot do as worship unto him there's some things that I cannot do presenting my body as a living sacrifice to him and if I cannot do it as worship unto him then I shouldn't be doing it at all you know if I'm going to a, if I'm going into somewhere that I that I shouldn't be if I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing you know, how can I do that as worship unto him? I can't. So this is a really good principle and foundation. Do I value what God values in my life? Do I place value on what he values? Do I value my relationship with my husband? And so I do what I need to do to value that. Put that first before other things. Do I value my children, my relationship with them. So I put that first above other things. In, in, and in my life, it may look different from in your life. And do I apply all my strength to these things and do them as unto God? And I want to ask you if this type of application of strength and heart as worship unto God in your life, is it demonstrated in these areas that I'm going to mention now? The pursuance of your goals. Your goals, let's start there, your goals. A, then the pursuance of those goals and how you do it. How you do it. I need to always be cognizant of this because I tend to be all or nothing. So I'll throw myself into something, but I need to be balanced. I need to be balanced in the pursuance of my goals, not forgetting other goals and other things that are important. How do you utilize your time? How do you conduct yourself? Is it as worship unto the Lord? How do you dress? 
Who are you when no one else is looking or when no one can see? These things are all important and they're indicators in terms of whether we're really living our lives as um, uh, in, in a place of love for the Lord and building our lives upon the foundation of His Word and obedience to His Word, which is the ultimate measure of our love for Him. And so in conclusion, I'm wanting to encourage us today that let's build our lives God's way. Let's build our lives God's way. Jesus stated what the two greatest commandments are. And, and we've explored the first one as it applies to us today, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, that this is the first commandment. So in our heart, I want you to leave today thinking about what are the meditations of your heart what are the words that come out of your mouth? How do you use your finances, your heart? Number two, your mind and soul. How do your thoughts measure up to the standard of the word? Do you root out stinking thinking and lies quickly? Are you renewing your mind? Is your thinking in line with a biblical worldview? Are you able to give an answer to those who ask questions about what you believe and why? And the last one, strength, your strength, loving the Lord your God with all your strength and in what you do. I'm wanting to ask you, do you apply all your strength in the things you do and do them as unto God whilst you're doing the things that you know He values you doing? Do you apply all your strength to the things you do and do them as unto God whilst knowing that He values what you're doing? Is God's value and, your, and loving Him with all your strength, is it revealed in how you pursue the goals that you know God has ordained and approved of? Your utilization of time and how you conduct yourself, especially when no one is looking. So those are the three areas that I'm wanting to leave you with today. Your heart, your mind and soul, and your strength. Let's love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. And to do that, we need to obey His written word. This is the most solid foundation upon which we can build our lives. Loving God is not a feeling, and it's not about feeling led. Jesus made it clear. If we love Him, we will keep His commandments. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for grace to obey your word. We thank you for grace to find revelation in your word and principles in your word that we can apply to our everyday lives. And we ask today, Lord, that you would help us to live in greater and greater dimensions of loving you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.